everybody to another episode of the podcast to be named later. I am Noah Hiles. He is Alex Stump. And Alex, we have some pirate stuff to talk about today. Yeah. Hey, news. Before we get into that, I want to address something. I was not drunk on yesterday's show. I sure know that the opening minutes of it sounded like I was, but full disclosure, I Alex was with me during this. I've just been doing a ton of different editing things and research for the podcast network now that the season's over. I was just worn out, and we recorded a whole bunch of other stuff in that day, and while Alex was enjoying his best life, watching Monday Night Football in my basement, having a great time, I was just struggling to stay awake. And so, yes, that is why I sounded so goofy on yesterday's show. So I apologize. I promise I was not under the influence of anything at all. But I sure sounded like it. That was that was wild. You know what? You got to learn. It's a teaching point. It's teaching it's, it point, is a Alex. teaching point. That's a good transition. So yesterday afternoon, Ben Charrington and Derek Shelton, our pals through Zoom anyway, uh, joined us one last time, the Pirates media in a press conference, kind of the end of the year thing that happens every year. Um, and they talked about everything. It was, <clears throat> I think, the longest press conference of the year, uh, close to 40 minutes long. A lot of good questions were asked. Alex has a story on it on our site. Go check that out now. Um, and uh, that's what we're going to talk about to open up the show here. Alex, I guess my first question for you would be, what did you think? Normally, you can tell how people feel about things after they talk about something for an extended period of time. Do you think they're both kind of happy with the situation they're in right now? I mean, I don't know how happy you can be after going 1941, but I, the big thing for Charrington, or at least the big theme, I thought was there's change coming. And at least in the player development, which is his baby. This this is what Ben is, to be blunt, what Ben Charrington is here for. Like that front, that farm system that he left Dave Dombrowski and the Red Sox at, at, in 2015. That's the goal. That's the whole goal of this, you know, he's still his general manager. Um, I He's taken steps towards that. He's doing some different stuff. That includes, I mean, Larry Broadway isn't going to be the farm director anymore. I don't know what he's going to be. I don't know what that role is going to look like. I, I Larry Broadway must know his prospects aren't particularly good if it's going to be a, something that's perceived as a as a downgrade. That's that's what I wanted to bring up. I had three main points, three takeaways out of everything that we discussed with Charrington. Uh, we're recording this; it would be today, but yesterday for the show purposes. Um, and the first one was Broadway. I mean, he was candidly open about him not returning to his position. And uh, <clears throat> my first question for you is, is it, is it a good idea to remove him? And the second is, isn't it weird? I mean, they talked about keeping him around and using him in a different role. How is that not weird? You know, to, 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 demote, to demote the guy and then keep him around. I just feel like someone who's been in a position like his for as long as he's been, you can find another job in baseball somewhere else. And if you're going to get demoted, go to another organization and do it. Am I wrong to think that or no? No, I don't think you're wrong. Um, this is this is an apples to oranges situation, but I would look at what happened with Justin Message yeah. last year, that he went from assistant pitching coach to bullpen coach. And in the grand scheme of things, that's maybe a bit of a step back in your in your career. Like 
depending on which organization you are, the assistant pitching coach is the number two, the bullpen coach is the number three. But he went with it as the number three. I mean, they were still only two, so I guess it's kind of a moot point there. But he had a really good year, I felt, preparing his bullpen arms. I felt like the bullpen was good. They were prepared to come into games. A lot of credit goes to Justin Message this year. He was put into a different role. I don't know how everyone's going to like whatever I say this. Larry Broadway does have some talent. He has value to a Major League Baseball front office. Look at Dayon's writing. Dayon, it's like Larry Broadway was basically, you know, a yes man, a puppet, you know, a guy to hold a clipboard. Okay? Like, he wasn't in the right spot. I think that's the general thing to take out of it. And I guess he could go to the Tigers or I don't know, the Astros or someone, you know, just fill a front office role there. But he knows this organization. This organization knows him. If he has insights that he can add, I don't know what his role is going to be. I don't know if it's going to be in a greater capacity. I don't know if it's going to be in a lesser capacity. I don't necessarily blame Charrington for not wanting to block. You get out, you get out type of deal like that's not how this front office is going to be but we're going to see a lot of restructuring this is something that i think is going to be one of the big news stories for this offseason in player development and just with the club in general but what's going to happen with player development uh broadway is going to be a big part of that and i like that charrington waited to make these decisions where if he was hired at the end of the season last year you know, when, when Clint was gone, if they would have got rid of Neil and brought in Charrington immediately, I'm fine with him making these changes there. But he came in so late, any hiring that he would have made would have been rushed. So I think he did the right thing by letting this year play out the way it did and now and now getting his ducks in a row and uh, setting things up. Um, another thing that was covered in yesterday's presser, Alex <clears> – <throat> And it wouldn't be a Pirates presser with a general manager if we didn't talk about payroll. And I get it. Payroll is a sensitive topic related to the Pittsburgh Pirates. It's always going to be that way. Here's my question. I'm not not even a question, a statement. I don't want to talk about payroll with this team right now. I just don't. Because the reality is it's not a good team. There's no reason why they should be spending money this offseason because that's not the direction they're trying to go in. A couple years ago, the payroll should have been increased. Following 2018, that was a relevant conversation. Coming in, you know, following 2019, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe, yeah, or whatever. Following 2016. Yes, 2016, 2017. But once Hurdle was gone, once Huntington was gone with this new regime, it's a rebuild. You don't increase payroll during a rebuild. Look at what the Marlins did. Look at what the White Sox did. Look at what the uh, Padres did. You got it. And there's no point in paying someone a lot of money when you're not trying to – I mean they're not necessarily going out there trying to lose, but win now isn't the goal. And I know that there are some fans that every year – they want their team to be in win now. And I respect that. That's good. You, I, I, get, I guess at the end of the day, yeah, that's the goal, right? You play to win the game, Herm. Uh, but they're trying to build something here. And that, and that comes with draft picks. That comes with money to spend on draft picks. 
that comes with money to spend internationally. And those things are starting to develop. It would be irresponsible. It would be illogical for them to go out and have their biggest free agency in in the past half decade, which wouldn't be much. But still, now's not the time to do that. And I liked what Charrington had to say. By I mean, realistically, it was the only smart thing he could say. And it was, we're focused on building a core right now. And once we have that core, we're going to spend. And we're gonna we're gonna think about how we can make that team better, but right now, it's about developing the core, and I don't disagree with that. They have a third baseman, they have some young arms, they have some other prospects ready and waiting. They're still nowhere near comfortable enough to think they're ready to add on to this team. I, I'm I'm with you on that. Like just this is just me being blunt right now. I anything short of them. Like non-tendering people who should not be non-tendered, you know, to save some cash. And I'm, not, I'm like, hey, you know, there's you get rid of Joe Musgrove, Josh Bell, and and uh, I, I don't know Adam Frazier, but none of none of them are gonna get even offered a contract just to shed cash. Cash that that's a problem. But in the grand scheme of things, there is no. If the Pirates had twenty-five million dollars to spend this off-season, anyway. They could use it in payroll. It's not going to make a difference. This is still going to be a team that probably finishes last in the division. Yeah. The better way to spend resources this year is to sign extra guys in the international market, which they have. They have acquired extra international spending money, which really is just the right to spend more money in the in the Dominican and Venezuela and in Central America. And, and they've done that so far. They're going to have the seventh biggest uh, international draft pool, you know, use this offseason. They're going to have the most money, presumably, the most money to spend in the draft this year. Okay, that's where they need to spend the money right now. They need to max out how much they spend bringing young talent in. And I know everyone wants to bring up Major League Payroll. But if they spend some of that extra money improving the infrastructure, improving the front office, like this is a weird off season. There are a lot of people who are out of jobs because of these COVID cuts in front offices. We're having the reorganization of the front office, but it's going to look completely different. There is a whole lot of opportunity out there. That's where I'd rather see money invested in player development, bringing in young players through the draft and the international market, improving infrastructure, you know, improve Pirate City, improve Bradenton facilities. Like that is where they would be far better spent, you know, spending money in 2021. Last year at this time, we were pounding tables, yelling, saying that this is the time to clear it out, get everyone out of the house fumigate it, tear out the carpets, put in hardwood hardwood floors, get new cabinets, buy new furniture, get new art. That's what they need to be doing right now. And that's what signs are showing they are doing. You need to just listen. That that hurdle in Huntington era, it wasn't all bad. There were some really good years from that. There were some good moments in that. But it's over. And I don't want one trace of there's I don't want one hair from Clint Hurdle's head. Around, I don't want one trace of whatever Colonial Huntington wears. I don't want it to be in the air. I want it to be completely done. Cut it. Start over. That's what this offseason sh- off should be. 
because you're going to get a first overall pick in the draft next year. You have some young prospects coming up. And to transition into my final point, it looks like one of their top prospects in the organization could be coming back. And before I throw this to you, Alex, I, I for one, want to apologize for some of the things I said on the show related to O'Neill Cruz. Because we, and again, everything we said, and I made it a point to say this, was if he is proven guilty, he was, you know, he needed to see his day in court, which he still does. He still does. We still don't know all the facts. Um, and I, and, and I said, you know, if this happened, if this happened, allegedly, I never accused him of anything, but at times we did insinuate some things happened and it's hard to, it's hard not to do that. And with the information that we had at that time, it looked that there was things playing out the way they were. As more information comes in, it might not be that way. So if anyone interpreted what I said as me accusing or assuming anything, I apologize to that. I apologize to O'Neill. I still don't know how that's going to go moving forward. But as Ben Charrington said, they expect to see him in Bradenton, Florida in 2021 in, in a Pirates uniform, which, A, I'm glad that if if that if that all comes to fruition, that means that he was not driving drunk and this was just an accident. And while it's horrible, I'm glad that he was not necessarily in the wrong, you know. Uh, and B, it's great for the organization. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't change anything that you know. Three, you know, three people still died, and that's yeah, yes. yes but, but there is a huge difference in terms of like ramifications, accountability versus you know having an accident while while sober. Yeah, and, and, I mean, yeah, accidents happen. To under the yeah, drunk, drunk driving can be prevented. Accidents on the road simply happen, you know. Yeah. But we don't need to talk about that anymore, Alex. Were you shocked to hear there that that sentence that we will we expect O'Neill to be here in 2021? I had a question lined up to go asking if he was going to be like needed to place on the be placed on like the restricted list or something, because that's. Uh, I, I, if, because that's a 40-man roster spot. If they don't feel that he's going to be used, it's like, hey, you know, this could be used elsewhere. And whenever he says, like, no, we, we believe he's going to be in spring training. It's like, wow. Well, that's something I don't think a whole lot of we, – we heard during the radio show that Ben really went hard on, you know, there has been no evidence to suggest this is anything more than an accident. And he used those exact words again. On on Thursday, Wednesday. I'm sorry, on Thursday, Wednesday. Um, he is really, really. I think going above and beyond. I think as far as a general manager go to show support for a player right now. It's like this is this is something that I, I don't know. Not to throw Neil under the bus. I don't know how Neil would have approached this situation like if he was presented this same information like ben is ben is showing support to the player and if it does come out to be proven that this this was legitimately an accident i think that's going to stick with a lot of people within the organization yeah i agree and and it's it's not out of character to see a manager stick with a player but the stigma goes, you know, front office people are notoriously known to do the opposite, you know, to not have a connection 
with players. Like if you see the movie Moneyball, Alex's favorite thing of all time, right? Where Billy Bean doesn't get relationships with players, at least in the beginning of the movie he didn't because you got to cut these guys. You got to trade these guys. And if stuff like this doesn't work out, you can't take it personally, you know? Uh, But for him to be as vocal and be as candid as he has been with this, it's been very eye-opening to me as well. Alex, we talked some Pirates baseball. We got to talk about the rest of the baseball world. When we come back, Alex and I will weigh in on the past couple of days of playoff baseball and how magnificent they have truly been when we come back. So, Alex, we are wrapping up. We're recording this at around – it's 10.30 p.m. right now. Uh, so there's still one game just getting underway. I see the Dodgers and the Brewers are in the first inning. Cleveland and New York are, are entering the sixth, I believe, I just saw. Um, but aside from that, what a postseason so far. What a couple of opening games. How much of, how much of the baseball have you been watching? How much of the baseball have you been watching, Alex? I, I've watched a good chunk of, I would say, like four or five of these games. Like, I mean, the Ben call, you know, doing some work. I, I missed a good chunk of the afternoon games today. Buddy, the, the Ben call ended right on time for first pitch. I, that's oh, for I, you, I, I, maybe. Took the, I took the screen off right at the end. The last question that someone asked, I yeah, took my screen off zoom real quick, turned on the, or the uh, first game, the, the Bauer game. And I just turned it right back on. And I'm like, they probably, no, probably had to sneeze. I'm like, that's exactly what happened. Uh, but anyway, which games have you watched? What are some things that you've taken away so far from this postseason? I watched a lot of that Bauer game, including awesome. me in like all of extra innings. Mm-hmm. Boy, was I wrong about my analysis of that game. Like, that ball was not flying at all. Red, Reds lost that one. Like, Reds – Reds lost that one. Joey's auto. He Paul lost that Hamer. What – my first Why did he go stuck in the helm on that base hit to left? David Bell should have pinch ran for him first thing. I mean, I get it. Like, that's your Hall of Fame. That's your leader or whatever. But it's a go-ahead run. You need someone, and those Braves outfielders—they have good arms. You know, Acuna, Duvall, and uh, Ozuna—they all have. They can all make that throw home. So they had people on the bench because they pinch hit later that inning. They had young guys who are athletic and not old Canadian first basemen. Why would you not pinch run for Joey Votto there? At first thing, and second thing, yes, that Votto. I mean that that hurt my soul. That he did that because Joey Votto is like the Tim Duncan of baseball, right? He's like the big fundamental. He does everything right. His approach is flawless. He makes clean plays in the field. And for him to make going back to second, in what world did he – I don't know, man. I mean that is just tough. And the Reds approximately left 30,000 people on base that game. If you can't tell, I had money on the Reds. But like it's just that was tough to watch. Um but, the Reds are kind of like an RPG character that they put all of their all of their experience into pitching, and then they forget to put anything else into like every other aspect. They're like, oh, we'll just spend money later, and everything they do is just like a lateral move of garbage. I will say that game, and we talked about this before the show that that Bauer Freed matchup. That ended up being what we thought Cole versus Bieber was going to be. Shane Bieber, what the hell, man? Yeah. 
yeah, I don't know. Curveball wasn't working. Curveball? He threw the fastball way too many times. All those home runs were on fastballs. First pitch fastballs for a yes. lot of them. Yeah. What in the world was that? I don't know. I thought Roberto Perez could call a better game than that, but I mean, he's a Gold Glove catcher. Me too, but I mean, shake him off, Shane Bieber. You're the freaking best pitcher in baseball. Act like it. I, I'm not going to blame the catcher for hey, stuff's not going well. I'm going to just do throw whatever my catcher throws down. Yeah, I mean, yeah. There's, so there was that. Um, I I feel even bad bringing it up, but the Minnesota Twins, man, my God, I am outraged. I am outraged that the garbage. Houston Astros are one step closer to the World Series. They, <laughs> this this is this is a travesty. If you, don't, if you have any idea how how mortified I'm going to be, whatever the Houston Astros in their worldwide shame tour for for cheating, for, they're going to end up winning the World Series after uh, finishing below 500. I will this take is actually going to kill. Me. This is yes. going to kill me. I am going to be deceased at the end of this postseason. There will be no more Alex. <laughs> this man is dead. Uh, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, I take credit for giving them the comeback win on Tuesday because I went yeah, to McDonald's thanks. and summoned the powers of Travis Scott by getting the the, tra- <laughs> the Travis Scott meal, which is $10 now. It's not even 6 like in the commercials because they stopped running the promo. I didn't even say Cactus Jack sent me because I didn't want – people to spit in my food uh but and it was an okay meal i mean it was a quarter pounder with bacon and lettuce like it's a mcdonald's hamburger what do you want from me uh but yeah dude that's it's just sad i mean kent and pitched so well so did granky uh but just for that to go down the way the, the twins just simply win i would simply try winning baseball games in october if i was minnesota the that's minnesota what i would twins do. in october our grandpa walking into <laughs> The bar and the <laughs> I just cannot believe they do this every time. I mean, and this isn't an organization that's like some joke that never makes it in there. You know, like they they win that division regularly. They've had really good players. They still do. They have a good manager. I mean, they have a good organization top to bottom, and they just can't win not even a series, a game. A game. You the can, Pirates have had more playoff wins than the Twins this decade in the last 10 years. It's unbelievable. You can argue that the that the Twins, with the exception of like the Rays, are the best-run small market team in baseball. Yeah. And, and they just can't do it. It's, it's, it's incredible. Like they, they were as hot as any team in baseball going into the postseason. The, the Houston Astros slept walked into that second spot because it was them or the Mariners, the Mariners yeah. for, for the second hey, spot. Respect the Kyle Lewis. That's all I need to say. I, I like Kyle Lewis. But yeah, yeah. Outrageous. This is a travesty to the game of baseball. Absolutely horrendous. The Rays steamrolled Toronto, like you said. Even though yeah. the first game was close, uh, Tuesday or Wednesday's was not. Uh, Tyler Glass now, in fact, good at baseball. Um, I'm trying to go through Cleveland looks like, I mean, they're, like I said, we talked about that game already. Um, San Diego, St. Louis, anything on that? I didn't really watch that. I watched a little bit of it. Uh, Harrison that Bader. one just doesn't grab me, honestly, as much as I, I love, you know, to tease or some everything, yeah. but you know how it grabs me hmm. if the, if the Cardinals play in the blue 
uniforms because that's that's the best uniform matchup in baseball right there. You get oh, you give yeah. me those those brown and yellow Padres uniforms against the baby blue Cardinals. Chef's kiss, perfection, good stuff. I think that's everything. Did we cover? We got Twins Astros. And, and we got know, athletics. Like so, oh yes. Tomorrow. Uh, that's yeah, the, the rubber match that's gonna be my world series pick versus the team I'm rooting for. Yeah, uh, I I mean, and the White Sox, like, hey, we called it like Tim Anderson showing out Giolito. I mean, the guy just doesn't allow hits anymore. It's it's pretty, it's pretty sickening if you ask me. Uh, poor Oakland, man, there's just no chance. This would be, there's no chance. Whenever Oakland loses tomorrow, I'm gonna have to dedicate one minute of me just talking about how the baseball gods are vengeful, vengeful, vengeful beings, and they hate Billy Bean. Now it's going to break out the bagpipes and just play Amazing Grace like a cop funeral <laughs> or something after Billy Bean gets bounced in the first round once again. What you need to do is you need to cut it all together, <laughs> and it ends up being like the Tobias we're having a fire <laughs> sale. <laughs> in the middle (laughs) yeah um what's the other national league series cardinals brewers dodgers barbs uh braves reds and what's the fourth one oh the marlins oh oh, how did we forget about the marlins the marlins are doing it baby The, the the miami florida pirates taking down the cubs Corey dickerson just going Yabo and Wrigley, ripping out everyone's heart on the north side. You just love to see it. And your boy pitches today. Sixto's I'm, on I the bump today. So excited. Against you Darvish. Gonna... That's gonna be that's gonna be awesome. Yeah. Particularly I... because you Darvish normally sucks in the playoffs. But like I, I, I still going into that, that's that's must see television. So watching if you are a fan of the game of baseball, Sixto is absolutely must watch television. Sixto and you, Dar- you Darvish is like NL Cy Young material this year. I, I mean, know, Bauer- I know, I know, I know. But look, let's be—I'm being extremely transparent. There's—he's not the main draw of this game for me. No, no, yeah, that's cool, and I like that the Marlins are are really working their way back to the teal. Mm-hmm. It makes me happy. You know what's going to happen to the Marlins? They're going to win this freak world series. And they're going to trade everyone away. Yes. Yes. The whole thing's going to get because the Marlins <laughs> don't lose playoff series, but they go, all right, peace. See that, you guys the, 15 the, years to mess up baseball's power structure. Like, would you rather be a Marlins fan or, or a Twins fan? Real talk. I, like, I would rather be a Twins fan because here's the thing about the Marlins. They have the two World Series, but they have absolutely no legacy as a franchise. Who's they the best player in Marlins history? Jeff Conine. And don't you say that disrespect again. Mike Lowell? No, Jeff Conine. Gary Sheffield? I'm going to go look real fast the Marlins' all-time war leaders. I mean, they've had name, like Miguel Cabrera. Started there. He was only there for a couple years, but he's probably top five. Yeah, uh, Hanley Ramirez is probably their war leader. He was there a while, and he they got him for all of his prime. Um, when you think of Marlins, who do you think of? I think of two guys. I think of Juan Pierre laying down bunts against Roger Clemens's fat ass in the World Series, and then I think of uh, Dontrell Willis kicking that leg up to the high heavens. D-Train was definitely one for me. Yeah. Yeah, and we and we forgot 
Low-hanging fruit, man. Shame on us. Giancarlo. Oh, yeah, but... Jose Fernandez are, Marlin. Top five are Giancarlo, Hanley, Josh Johnson. Oh, man, that's a throwback of early yeah. 2010s baseball. Yeah. He was really good for two years. Luis Castillo. The D-Train. I'm just going to keep going. Miguel Cabrera. Yelich. Cliff Floyd. Floyd. Dan Ugla, baby. The worst fielder in the history of baseball. Kevin Brown. Jose Fernandez and Mike Lowell. Jeff Conine isn't even on the list. Damn. That's tough to that's tough to swallow. It doesn't matter. Jeff Conine is the greatest Marlin of all time. Uh, aside from uh, Pudge Rodriguez. When I think Marlins, I think Pudge and nobody else. When I think Pudge, I think Marlins. That's just how it goes. I I loved the 2003 Marlins. I oh, that was such a fun team. I still forget he was on that team. I still do. I, just, yeah, I, know, I mean, I just, not that he wasn't a contributor. He was a significant contributor. But, like, I just don't view Pudge as a Marlin ever. Pudge like, is I the think, reason they won in 03. I know. But I just think of, like, I just think of, like, uh, I don't know. Like I said, Juan Pierre, Mike Lowell, Miguel Cabrera, Derek Lee. Alex, uh, was it Gonzalez was their shortstop? Alex Gonzalez hit the walk-off home run in the World Series. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a squad right there. All right, let's wrap this up. Alex, final thoughts? The D-Train. That, that's who I'm always going to associate the Florida Marlins with. Not the Miami Marlins, but Florida. You weren't a kid until you ruined – you weren't an early 2000s kid or a 90s kid. You didn't, you didn't grow up a baseball fan in the early 2000s until you ruined a nice pair of pants trying to do the Dontrell Willis leg kick and slipping and falling on your ass and getting grass stains all over them. I thought you were going to do different. Like the, like back whenever I was a kid, my, my door uh, was covered in like the sports illustrated. Uh, For posters. kids. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Dontrell Willis never was taken off. Him and no. Ben Roethlisberger, I think were the only two that were permanent members on that oh list. God. Yes. Yes, Alex. I, I think I had D train. The one that, the one that always sticks out to me was Jermaine O'Neal. Never was a big fan, but it was a cool poster. He was like dunking on Jason Kidd. I was like, yep, this is sticking around. Anyway, I had a sweet Hideki Matsui one too. Be sure to follow us on social media, hit that subscribe all button, leave a comment, Share us. Do whatever you can. Spread the word. We're doing some good stuff. We're trying to improve the audio quality here. We're trying to add podcasts as well. If you have a podcast and not about Pirates baseball, we got that covered. I'd like to think we got that covered. But if you have a podcast that's something unique that we're not already podcasting about, we have a Daily Pirates. We have a Daily Steelers. A Daily Penguins one is on the way. Uh, And we have Dan's, obviously. And we have My Weekend Content with gambling and long-form interviews. But if you have a soccer podcast, if you have a NASCAR podcast, if you have anything along those lines, something different, let us know. Send us a DM on our DK Sports Radio Twitter account and send us a pitch as to why we should let you on the network because we're looking to add more shows onto the network. For Alex, I'm Noah signing off saying we'll see you tomorrow night. That's a playoff quote if you didn't know that.